Nutrition Reviews, Conversations with the Authors, published by Oxford University Press. This month, I have the pleasure of a conversation with Monica Liu and Anna Ragan from the Faculty of Science at the University of Sydney, along with their co-authors, Leanne Wang and Margaret Allman Farinelli, they wrote a systematic review of the portion size norm of discretionary foods. Their paper examined one of the important tenets of nutritional sciences, and that is how do we collect data on dietary intake? They present information about how researchers are measuring normal, appropriate, and preferred portions. And however, their conclusions are that they, we need more information on validated tools to assess portion size. And this is how dietary data are collected for 24-hour recalls, food frequency questionnaires, and even how people complete dietary records. I have a particular interest in this paper because I've done research myself on dietary methods. And I'm sure that our conversation will bring to light what drew these authors to writing this paper and how it will stimulate future research to find better ways to collect dietary data. So let's start off with Monica. I know you're a doctoral student um, at the University of Sydney. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to write this paper and do this type of research? Yes. Um, hi, Doc. Thanks for having us here. Um, I'm a third year PhD student at the University of Sydney, and Anna is my primary supervisor for my PhD. Uh, my topic is really look at what's the appropriate portion size for the energy-dense and nutrient-poor discretionary food, and what are the potential strategies to facilitate better portion size um, selection for this food. Um, I to um, do my PhD on this topic is mainly because I did my master paper on the package size effect and looking at what's the effect of downsizing the package for those energy dense um, palatable, palatable food. And um, from here, um, I decided to look at more on how to find potential strategies to nudge consumers toward better portion size selection. I think that's really interesting because you're talking about not just about how to collect dietary data, but also how portion sizes influence what we consume and even within the packaging of it, which is critically important as I buy my own snacks at times. Um, Anna, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your areas of research? I spoke to you earlier that um, I know you had a previous paper on food waste, which is another important topic in nutritional sciences these days with climate change and, and food availability, but tell us what else you do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I trained as, as, a, as a dietitian and I worked as a clinical and community dietitian for a few years. But after that, I sort of really find my passion more in, in research. I wanted to know more about, you know, what's the evidence behind the recommendations that, um, that, that we tell our, our patients, our clients. Um, and yeah, I was really sort of keen to add to, to the evidence base. And, and um, so I went into research, went back, did my PhD. And I'm, I really, um, it's more in the area of nutrition epidemiology and, um, and, and in particular, um, measuring how we um, 
uh, measuring what people eat, basically. So really that dietary assessment methods, um, because I think, yeah, that's absolutely, um, yeah, critical. We, we need to know what people eat before we can sort of ask them to, you know, to make any any changes to, to improve um, their, their dietary intake. So that's my area of research. Um, and I guess I'm also the, the program director of the Master of Nutrition and Dietetics um, program at Sydney University. So basically we train about 70, 75 um, dietetic students per year and all dietetic students um, will do a research project. So we, we do have quite you know, a, a large um, variety of, of research projects on, on offer. So students will do a, a project for six, for six months. Um, and so Monica was one of, yeah, yeah. one of my students um, doing the master's project. And yeah, she really got interested in the area that she was looking at and decided to continue and, and undertake a PhD. So. Well, that's, that's wonderful, wonderful, especially to be able to have such a long relationship with a student, not just from the master's or just from the PhD, but you know, you're taking a potentially a, a two-year relationship to a five, six, seven-year relationship and, and vice versa. If it was just a doctoral student, it might be four years instead of six or seven years um, for that. I find um, training students and working with students really uh, important for the future of our science. Um, I'm wondering, Monica, as you looked at um, these results from your study, and I guess you were doing the review for getting ready for your own research, was there anything that surprised you when you were reviewing the literature about how people assess portion sizes? Uh, yes, it did. So for this review, as part of my um, PhD project, and um, so we have a wide um, variety of included studies and um, a wide variety of different measurement methods were used to um, assess the portion size norm. So some of the research, they use real food. Um, and for example, they were providing a large amount of food in a large container and ask participants to measure out their own normal portion size. And there are also um, quite a lot of studies that use food images to assess the portion size norm. They will provide um, a series of images with different portion size options and ask participants to judge each of the image as normal or not normal. So um, the measurement method were very different across different studies. And also, um, because this research really looking at the unhealthy energy dense nutrient poor discretionary food only, we found a range of those food were included, um, food like confectionery and candies and chocolates, and also cereal snacks like, like potato crisps. They were um, most commonly included and measured. And also after mapping all the literature, we identified three different forms of um, portion size norms that are normal portion size, appropriate portion size, and preferred portion size. And their definitions were all um, quite different. For example, for the normal, um, it's the amount that people normally consume in one sitting. And then for appropriate, um, it's the amount they consider as appropriate um, and what they should eat in one sitting. And for the preferred, it's more like um, the ideal portion size that they will feel satisfied with. So this really emphasize um, the like we need to ask specific question to ask to 
get the right information when we measure the portion size norm, as this can be all quite different. Um, and also we noted for some of the studies that have measured normal portion size and appropriate portion size, we found out probably the appropriate portion size is smaller than the normal portion size. So which also indicate, especially for this um, food that are considered as unhealthy, um, people would normally eat more than what they think they should eat. Um, yes, so from a public health perspective, um, they really think it's hard to generalize the results at this moment because of um, the inconsistencies um, of the measurement to east. So I, I find that interesting. I'm wondering, um, given that the packaging is different and, and how much is in the package is different, when you go to the supermarket, are you thinking about this when you look at foods and you look at packaged foods? Uh, is that like automatically now in your head that I need to consider how things are being presented to me in the supermarket? I think I started to think that way after I started this project. But before that, I think I really could feel um, people's decision was influenced by what are present in front of them. And that's how they decided what they would choose. So it really depends on the context, I guess. Anna, have you thought about how this type of information affects how you collect dietary data in some of your other epidemiological studies? Yeah, yeah. Like we all we, we already know that it's really, really difficult to actually estimate portion size. Um, and you know, having like a 25%, you know, approximate, um, like if you're within 25%, that's pretty much considered, you know, pretty good. Um, so yeah, so we know that that's a huge source of measurement error when we're looking at um, dietary uh, assessment methods. Um, so yeah, like one of the next steps, you know, that Monica's looking at now is actually trying to, she's validated a tool to try and estimate um, the portion size norm better, you know, like, so we've got like a, an, an online tool that's validated against real foods. Um, and yeah, so, so that's, and then we're, you know, she's going out to then, um, find out from people what is their their, their portion size um, norm. But we do find, I think we, we sort of have found that, that perhaps, um, yeah, the, the results that, that we're getting might seem, seem to be like on the smaller side, I would say, to what they would, um, to what we would see out, out there, like when we're eating with, you know, with, with friends and, and family and, and colleagues, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely just really reinforces how tricky it is to measure to measure portion sizes, how complex diet is, um, how dynamic diet is, how it just changes over time, changes with food supply, changes with um, yeah with, with lifestyle, like with the packaging. Um, so yeah, I guess the packaging is really important, um, as you mentioned. You know, like if a package is is larger, um, then people tend to eat more. If it's smaller, um, they they tend to eat less. And um, but there is a point at which you know, if the package is too small, um, then people will go towards the second package. Um, so you know that that was yeah. Um, Monica's master's project really to, to try and sort of figure out do multi-packs encourage more consumption or um, 
uh, of food. And yeah, so it's it's really to that extent of well, if they do become too small, the packages, then yeah, people will go on to yeah to, to eat more. But the results are still yeah fairly inconsistent. It's a fairly new area of of research, really. I definitely think it is. I think an important piece of this is um, I had a project with a woman named Nancy Vukovic. We have a paper out that showed when people were recording their diet from a diet record, not a recall, um, they knew they had to record their diet. They ended up focusing more on packaged foods. It was easier for them to record what they ate because they right. could just take it off the packaged food. Instead yeah. of you know going you know doing something at home and preparing something by itself, so yeah. this packaging you know is going to be important because if you they go towards smaller packaging and you ask them to collect diet, they report the truth, but they are changing how they eat even though you tell them not to change. They're doing it so they can record it more easily and report yes. it more easily. And they want to be good subjects in research. So they're trying to find ways to be really accurate at the same time, which yeah. you know, is, is very nice of them, but it doesn't really do what we want them to do as far as a nutrition studies go. Um, yeah. The yeah. other thing I was wondering is, do you think this should your research eventually might change any guidelines we have um, for packaging foods, how we label packaging of foods or the size of packaging of foods. Right now, at least in the United States, um, it's pretty much a free-for-all. You can have a big package with a little bit of food in it, um, and but it's just a label that tells you how much is in it. And then even that is not always consistent. But do you have any, is, or maybe it's too early for you to think about how this can influence some policy issues on yeah. how we present food to people. Yeah, I can probably answer some of that with my, um, I was invited to, onto the Healthy Food Partnership um, working group looking at portion sizes in, in Australia. So it's a collaboration between industry, food, uh, between government, food industry and public health um, nutritionists. And so we had, um, we've had a, a couple of years sort of like very regular meetings to come up with a guide for um, industry to help um, target portion sizes and, and serving sizes, I should say, um, of, of discretionary foods. So we're mostly looking at discretionary foods because they're the foods that we know like should really be limited and um, uh, and probably the, the easiest sort of ones to, to target to, to start with. Um, and but working on this guide, you know, trying to we had to look at the evidence of what's out there at the moment and you know what is the portion size norm and we find really there was very very little evidence and that's you know hence why we're looking at this area in in more detail as well but yeah so the guides sort of come out now and, and it is it is a voluntary guide um but it's going it, it'll be useful for food industry to um to to try and um come up with more appropriate portion sizes and, and increasing the range of sort of the smaller portion size serving size options, I should say, I should, uh, it's definitely serving size. Um, so, but decreasing the serving size um, options that are available in food service outlets, um, because we know that sort of there's been this creep towards larger, you know, serving sizes over the years. Um, now we're just trying to take stock of, okay, what is what's happening at the moment? And then how can we, you know, uh, over time, like nudge people to uh, and nudge um, and ask 
food industry to help um, to, to bring those, you know, very large sort of serving sizes back to a more appropriate um, serving size. So, yeah, definitely, I think this search will help to guide um, those developments and, uh, and, and hopefully industry will be on board as well to yeah, I think that's important, not just for industry, but for, I guess, restaurants are an industry too. But, yeah. you know, we see this in the U.S. also that the portion sizes at restaurants are increasing too. And, you know, um, as I age, I, I find myself bringing more food home after a meal because it's too large for me to consume. And I, I think that maybe a younger person might try to consume it all. So mm -hmm. it's it's a different issue, not just in the package, but how we present what is a normal or appropriate portion size, which is exactly the, the research that you're working on. Um, Monica, can you tell us a little bit more about maybe what your dissertation is about and maybe what you plan to do in the future afterwards? If you if you can think that far ahead, most of us are trying to just finish the dissertation, but I'm gonna ask you to think beyond your dissertation. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, so <laughs> I haven't really, um, think about that far, but I guess um to complete my PhD and um my thesis topic, um as Anna already mentioned, we'll try to develop a new tool to um have more context specific information. Also, is should be piloted and validated in um the population in of interest, which is Australian consumers. So we try to um develop and validate um this new tool. And after that, we are now in the, the process of recruiting a large and more representative Australian population um, to, as you said, probably try to see if there are any population subgroup, like for example, young adults, middle age, or yeah, to see any of the subgroup, they could probably have higher portions as norm. And that's the group that should be potentially targeted. and. Um, but well, hopefully to um, to provide some evidence for future public health campaigning guideline to have those kind of um, recommendations in place. And also we were planning to do some qualitative studies, trying to understand more from consumer perspective, have their portion size, um, their portion size norm change over time because of the food environment change. And also, um, are there sufficient um, serving size options available in the current food environment? And as you mentioned, also in the food service section. So yes, that's really about my whole PhD journey. Um, I haven't really think about that far after PhD, but I guess, yeah, I'll, I've been really enjoying doing research. Or, yeah, I'll keep doing more um, research focused evidence-based things in this area. Well, we definitely need people who are interested in dietary methods. You know, nutrition is such a broad area. People go into epigenomics and they go into, um, you know, the, the chronic diseases, but everything as far as what I believe happens with an individual person or within communities, what do we eat? And we can measure the metabolic aspects of after we eat something, but we still have to be able to measure what we eat well to know those uh, relationships. And also the biases that occur with dietary methods, because if underreporting occurs with people who have chronic diseases, then we have research studies that go towards the null, for example. 
So we had to figure out the, the better ways to collect dietary data to really understand the relationship um, with health. And that's, to me, the, the bottom line of what we are trying to do as nutritionists and dietitians. Um, I do have um, just one other question for you. And, and that is, when we collect dietary data, I'm wondering if what the tool that you have do you think it's going to be useful for other cultures, other countries outside of Australia? It sounds like you're doing really detailed and accurate research, both quantitatively and qualitatively to create some of these assessment tools, but are they, could they be used in the US? Could they be used in other places in the Pacific Islands? Or, or is it going to be very much uh, specific to Australia? Um, yes, as we already mentioned, um like our findings really reinforce how complex dietary intake data is. And especially for concepts like portion size norm, it couldn't be measured by any standardized approach. And that's why um, also from the findings from the review, we think the portion size norm is variable and it's really context specific. That's why um, for that tool, we try to focus on Australian population because of the other options we used were based on the package size available in Australian food context. But I guess for the service structure and um, how the portion size norm related question formulated and the flow of the survey could be used in other contexts. But I guess the important thing to emphasize is um, all the options provided, the food type, that is selected in the survey should be um, piloted in the population of interest to make sure we are not creating any bias beforehand that um, could be potentially social desirability bias and lead consumers to underreport even more, especially for those energy dense food. I think it's really important. So it's not just the tool, but you're actually creating a methodology that other people can utilize in their own context when they're doing their own nutrition studies. And I think that's important to have the methodology, not just the tool, because I, I, I totally agree with you that, you know, how people estimate intake is different. And there's even, you know, for me, issues about over-reporting. When you go into certain communities that are um, poor or don't have much food, food insecurity, they might be the opposite of someone who under-reports. They might try to over-report in order to not to demonstrate you know, the lack of food that they have. They want to make sure that they don't want to look poor um, to, to a researcher necessarily. Well, I really appreciate the time that you both have taken with me today. Um, I thank you for this. I, I think that you're doing great research. Again, as I mentioned before, I think dietary intake is the bread and butter of nutritional sciences and, and what we need to know about how to improve the health of the world. And I'm just so happy that I got a chance to meet with both of you and today on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And we're, we're very excited to, yes. to talk to you. Yes, and to be on this podcast. The Nutrition Reviews podcast was produced and edited by Eric Healy at the Western Region Public Health Training Center studio at the University of Arizona, Mel and Enid Zuckerman College of Public Health. Original music was created by Eli Ruiz. Funding for the podcast was provided by the International Life Sciences Institute. To get more updated information on nutrition, go to the journal's website at academic.oup.com slash 
Nutrition Reviews, and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when the next episode is available. I'm Douglas Tarrant. Thank you for spending some time with us.